We talk about a lot of classics here, and there's one place where you can find them and us together. BestClassicsEver.com. That's where you'll find many of our favorite underrated movies and shows. And they're kicking off a big holiday giveaway on December 3rd, where you can win free subscriptions and streaming devices. So follow Best Classics Ever on social media and go to bestclassicsever.com to watch episodes of our show, The Matinee, streaming free in their Hollywood Canteen section. Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where each week we discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Uh, that's a raccoon, yo. What, what are you doing? Feeding the raccoon. It's a trash panda. <laughs> <laughs> when the three burglars thing happens. Oh, so, and they're all saying <laughs> the same line. Yes. <laughs> No, notice, Jeb, that when they put their hats on, I'm not going to be able to see facial expressions. So that's on you, man. That's on you. Okay. Camera rolling. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Can I get an interview about uh, Betsy's wedding? No. Anything but that. Anything get lost. That? Anything but that. Get my hat. Hi, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that for a variety of reasons was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie or maybe don't love about it, but we always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of over 100 episodes for your your listening pleasure. Almost, but not quite. I'm going to keep that in there. Oh, wonderful. I'm (laughs) I'm sure everyone will appreciate that. What's going on? Nothing. Just uh, spending my days hunting down the serial killer that took my son. You know, the huge. If you go back and listen to all your after, after every time we do do the opening and I go, what's up? You And your thing, it's always like, ah, oh, you know, just spending my days. I bet you you're spending your days a lot. <laughs> after her son is kidnapped by a notorious serial killer, FBI agent Frank LaCrosse travels to Amarillo, Texas, where he believes the murderer is in hiding. Although officially taken off the case because of its personal significance to him, Frank continues to pursue the killer, causing concern for local sheriff Buck Olmstead. When another victim pops up at a nearby car garage, Frank knows that he is a blah, 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 blah. It's ridiculous. The synopsis is long. Yeah, it's long and it's stupid. So we're doing switchback. <laughs> Frank LaCrosse hunts the serial killer that took his son. Exactly. Meanwhile- no, no, that's not what it says here. It says <laughs> it says Frank LaCrosse has a personal connection. Personal significance to him. That, uh, that, that exactly. Frank LaCrosse's son is missing. Meanwhile, two men travel across the uh, travel across Utah. All right, through a bad storm. I didn't ask you to do the end. Okay, I didn't ask you to the do end. This. You're, I'm the synopsis this week. Okay, you did the opening. I did the synopsis. Poorly. <laughs> That's because I can only work do as much as the source material allows me to. All right. <laughs> the movie's called Switchback. Runtime of 118 minutes. It's rated R. Production budget of 37 million dollars. Release date was October 31st, 1997. Classic Halloween film. <laughs> Opening weekend at the 2.7 million. Domestic and worldwide are the same. 6.4 million. So we're talking about a box office flop here. A super flop, I believe. 37 million. Oof. All right. Production company was Pacific Western Production. Distributed by Paramount Pictures and Reicher Entertainment. I believe this is the last film that Reicher Entertainment put out because they actually shut down in July of 97. They had a string of flops. Yeah. This movie was not the reason they shut down. No. Because this wasn't a flop yet. Didn't help. Uh, October 31st also had Red Corner, which I actually like. And it's another weird. Uh, uh, that's, that's with Richard Gere and he's in China and he's under suspicion or he's either he's representing somebody that's under suspicion, but he's a lawyer or something like I, that. Or he I, is. I don't know. Something like that. I know of the movie. It's actually a good movie. Seen. I liked it. Um, he also, also you went up against Boogie Nights, which is obviously something that we all know about. <laughs> I hope uh, you had a limited release. Also, as critical care on the 7th of November, you had Starship Troopers. 
I don't know if anyone's heard of that. Uh, Mad City, which I saw in the city. Uh, Eve's Bayou and Bean, the uh, Mr. Bean movie. Do you watch the Bean movies? Uh, I've seen Bean. I've seen parts of I've seen some of the show. I don't mind Rowan Atkinson. I just don't know if I like the Bean films. It, Mr. Maybe Bean a, never makes me like laugh. It's a, it's a British hilarious. thing, probably. Maybe. It's very maybe, British. Yeah, which yeah. is fine. But just, yeah, I like Rowan Atkinson. He plays Mr. Bean. Right, yeah. Yes. But <laughs> I never got into, my kind of humor. I never got into the movies. On the 24th of October, that's just the week before you had Gattaca. Which one's that? That's the one with Ethan Hawke. Okay, good. A life less ordinary. <laughs> Uh, and fairy tale, a true story. Never heard of fairy tale, a true story. Mm, I think I know the name, but yeah, life is, life less ordinary. I've seen. I, I actually don't mind that. No idea what that is. Either. That's um with Ewan McGregor, right? No, I said I have no idea what it is. Is that Ewan McGregor? Ah, whatever. <laughs> What's up? Continue. Written and directed by Jeb Stewart. He has directed only one other film, Blood Done, Sign My Name, <laughs> but he has written. Quite a few, such as Die Hard. Have you heard of that? Leviathan, The Fugitive. Remember, we did U.S. Marshals a couple of weeks ago. We so did. There you go. Nice. And call. another forty-eight hours. Cinematographer was Oliver Wood. He has done Die Hard two, U five seven one, Rudy, and Step Brothers. Composer was Basil Polidorus, who passed away in two thousand six. He has done Red Dawn, The Hunt for Red October, and Serial Mom, to name a few. Edited by Conrad Buff the Fourth. He has been he has won an Oscar for editing for Titanic. He was nominated uh, for Terminator 2 Judgment Day. And he more recently edited the movie Infinite that's on Paramount Plus starring Mark Wahlberg. Produced by Gail Ann Hurd. She has produced a variety of movies, including Armageddon, Dick, The Abyss. I don't know why I hit Dick. <laughs> Aliens and a movie we did a couple weeks ago, The Ghost in the Darkness. Nice. Thanks. I like your callbacks. Thanks, man. So we have Dennis Quaid as Frank LaCrosse. Uh, he has been Frequency, The Rookie, Inner Space, and the TV show Fortitude. Danny oh, Glover. you couldn't bring it back to the movie we did for Forgotten Cinema with him. Go for it. Can't remember. Oh, oh, oh so slick. <laughs> what movie? <laughs> no, no, you got to tell me. Oh, my God. Poison Dude. I don't remember the name. DOA. DOA. Wow. Forgot the name Smart of it. Smart ass. I just know you didn't name the movie. Well, you did so well on callbacks. <laughs> Danny, listen, Danny Glover as Bob Goodall. He's in Lethal Weapon, Silverado, Witness, and Predator 2. Let me ask you a question. If I bring up Danny Glover to somebody, do you think they only know him from Lethal Weapon? Yes. Is it right? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, I, 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 which is baffling, but... Yeah. Anyways, I mean, he's been in a ton of stuff, but I would hope everyone has seen the movies, the other movies I listed. Well, Predator Two, maybe, maybe. Lethal Weapon is such a classic. Well, he's from all. When I say Lethal Weapon, he's in all four. But like, right. you know, he's good in Witness, Silverado. He's good in a lot of stuff. He's and I'd even say, what's the one? Is it Arizona? Where um, he's the tow truck driver. There's one where he's like it's a vignette and it takes place in L.A. It's with Steve Martin. Was that called Arizona? Uh, I know what you're talking about. That wasn't um, LA story. Is that LA story? No, man, I'm old. I just remember him being a tow truck driver, and it was something to do with his family. That's this, his storyline. Ah, eh, whatever. You looking it up? I'm trying to. He's got so many credits. Well, that's the thing. When I was going through Danny Glover's credits, I was like, oh, you know, I knew a lot of the movies he was in, but then I started wondering. I wonder if people don't know this. I wonder if they only know him from Lethal Weapon. Because he's almost synonymous with Murtaugh. Like, oh, that's how people know him. And he's also in Saw, but I don't think people remember him in Saw. They think of just- I don't even remember him in Saw. He's the cop chasing down uh, the jigsaw. I, I just remember Carrie Elwes. That's that. the thing. Everyone yeah. just remembers Carrie Elwes. That's the that scene room. you always see. Yeah. It's definitely not called LA Story, because that is not on his credits. It's- I forgot he's in Maverick. Harriet the Spy. Oh, that's right. He's um He's in Maverick because he's friends with Mel Gibson. Well, yeah, but- I don't see the movie Arizona here. I, I might be wrong. I, I, I might be absolutely wrong. But holy crap, the amount of movies he's in. Prolific. People might also remember him in Jumanji now. Younger people now. Oh, that's right. That's right. The new one. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm going to find 3 this 3 a.m. Never. I already found it. It's Grand Canyon. That's the name of the movie. Not Arizona, but, but I was right. Almost. <laughs> Grand Canyon. The fates of several people are intertwining randomly. Their sympathy of each other faces multiple differences in their lifestyles. That's right. That's right. Knew I knew it. Directed and written directed by Lawrence Kasdan. I might go back and watch that. 
Well done. <laughs> no, I, I just, I, I remember, you know, what's funny is that that's what that's it's a drama. And so I remember watching it and I'm younger and I was like, eh, I didn't wasn't really into it. Right. But I might've been too young for it. So I kind of may, I might want to go back to that. I'm gonna write that down. I, I know it. Grand Canyon, Grand Canyon, Grand Canyon, <laughs> Grand Canyon. All right, good. Well, back to the show. What are we talking about? Switch We're talking back. about switchback. Arlie Ermey as Sheriff Buck <laughs> Olmstead. He passed away in 2018. Gone too soon. Uh, Full Metal Jacket. Obviously, everyone knows him as that. Uh, Seven, Mississippi Burning, and a movie that we did that Butler's going to forget when I look at him and point. There you go. You got it. Woo! And The Frighteners. Ted Levine (laughs) as Nate. Uh, If Ted Levine's voice sounds familiar, it's because you saw him in Silence of the Lambs. He plays the uh, Jamie Gunn, the killer. He's also Stottlemyre on Monk. I was about to get to that, dude. I thought you were done after No, I was... (laughs) He's also in Monk the TV show. Jerk. Uh, not him, Butler. Uh, he's also in Heat and The Report, which is uh, the move, the Amazon film where they're uh, about 9-11. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Jared Leto as Lane Dixon. Uh, he has won an Oscar for his role in the Dallas Buyers Club. He's also in Suicide Squad. Not the Suicide Squad, but Suicide Squad <laughs> and Raccoon for a Dream. What I note here about Jared Leto is, wow, Jared Leto not being weird. Yeah, he's got a regular haircut and he's a regular guy. William Fickner as McGinnis. He is in Black Hawk Down. Uh, I didn't realize he's on the TV. Uh, he's, I knew he was on the TV show Mom. I didn't realize he was on it for so many episodes. He's also in The Lone Ranger, which is a movie that we did and a movie that I like a lot. And he's also in Drive Angry. And then a young Walton Goggins as Bud, as Butler texted me as he was watching the movie. Yeah. He's in the TV show, the, he's in the TV show Justified, The Shield, and the movie Evil Eight and Fat Man, which you should check out, which is pretty good. All right. This is another movie that I saw that Butler did not. Right. I have not seen this. I was 10 when this came out and obviously it was right. an absolute flop. So go. It disappeared. <laughs> it, I like it a lot, but I also know that I like it a lot because it's very 1990s, like late 90s thriller, mm-hmm. which I really like those kind of films. But I also know that it does have a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But I do like the way it tells its story or the basic bones of the story. I like the two stories being told and I like the way they present Bob. And I like that kind of, this is pre Dexter, all that kind of stuff. I like that hidden serial killer kind of way. And our focus is really on Bob for quite a bit of the film. And I, and I like a lot of that. And I like the relationship between Bob and Lane, Jared Leto's character. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that works. I really like Arlie Ermey's character. Cause you think that Sheriff Buck's going to go one way. Mm-hmm. You think, you know what, how that story is going to play out. And it, really doesn't play out that way mm-hmm. and i i enjoy a lot of that kind of stuff but it does kind of devolve as the movie goes on to like a rote thriller and it does yeah. kind of i think have a couple of missteps in terms of bob and the reveal of bob and the relationship between bob and lane toward the end i think kind of goes like pretty generic and kind of ruins it a little bit uh yeah it's it definitely to your point it's definitely a movie rooted in the 90s it's definitely got that 90s feel jeff stewart is obviously um somebody who's worked on you know, Die Hard, those big action 90 films. So yeah. you definitely feel that, um, that style of action, that style of, you know, I, I love the way 90s nighttime shots are done because it's like, especially when they're huge at the street. Lights. Yeah, they got the huge 5Ks in the back and they're just lighting up everything and everything's clear. And it's like, I, I'm okay with it. I like it. I'm like, because compared to now, what you got now, not so much in movies, but more in the TV shows, there is this like, there is this like fad or predilection now to shoot a, to set up a shot and everything in the center is is in focus and everything outside of that falls off out of focus and it is so just I don't like it I mean I I like it if it's if it's telling the story within the story it's telling us helping tell the story within the film that you're watching right. But I just don't I don't get this like fascination with only keeping a limited focus on whether it's one person, two people, a section of the a section of the frame. This is more more so in TV shows or streaming movies. Right. Than it is in in maybe feature films or maybe it's coming. Uh, Maybe I just haven't noticed it as much. But I do appreciate these movies in the 90s where it's just it, it just looks it just looks good. I don't know. I don't know. I don't any other. I have no good critical way of saying this, but it just looks good. <laughs> so I do appreciate that. It's definitely rooted in the nineties. Um, it does feel like two short films simultaneously happening. Yeah. Concurrently as you're moving along, there's a little bit more. And to that point, there's a little bit more of an interest in the Bob and Lane stuff. There's a lot more going on there than there is with the Frank and 
Sheriff Buck and all that stuff. Well, because I think Sheriff Buck has a nice backstory. I think Frank is very one note. I think Frank is the worst character in this film. And that's not Dennis Quaid's fault. No, that's just how he's 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 somebody who's on the hunt for somebody who stole a son. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He's also not very emotional. He's not no, very correct. Human. He's I mean, as I'm watching this, my note for Dennis Quaid is Dennis Quaid should be playing this. This era of Dennis Quaid should be Batman. <laughs> well, would you have been okay with Frank LaCrosse played by Steven Seagal because he was considered for the role? I saw that note and I was like, <laughs> no, that would have been so much worse. Could you imagine just so Seagal being like, how about I just have some hand-to-hand combat with this guy right Absolutely. now? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been bad. Uh, it would have been bad. And I know I know why they considered him because this is after Under Siege and Under Siege oh, was, sure. was a big Seagal. hit. Ah, yeah. Big hit. But like that was his, that was really his only big hit. That was the only movie that he was in where it was like everything else is like good. maybe medium, but yeah. 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 Um, one of the things I do appreciate in this film is that the end is the stunt work at the end on that train when they're fighting. Oh that, yeah. That was, that was impressive. That was, and that's probably where a lot of the budget went, but that was impressive. Um, and I don't, I think that's another staple of nineties action films. Those, those kind of stunts. Oh yeah. Cause yeah. you don't mind that it's stunt guys. Like mm-hmm. there's the one where um, they hit the shed as uh, Bob and Frank are fighting on the, the wing of the yes. train yeah. and they hit the shed and the stuntman playing Bob clearly almost falls off that train. <laughs> and I'm just like, Oh dude. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I mean, I'm sure the train's going slower than it was depicted as, but it's still a moving train. Right. So I guess let's, let's take it. Um, One step at a time. No, <laughs> let's take each story on its own as we go as sure. moving forward. Yeah. So let's go to the Frank stuff. So he shows up, and he's 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 not smiling. He's morose. You've mm-hmm. got you've got. Uh, I didn't understand the when they went into the hotel room and they had this big murder. I, I was kind of not that I was lost, but I was just like, "What's happening?" Like we're, we're like it, they they started off the story like I knew what what already happened. Like I knew these people, right? I mean, they do explain that they were cut, you know, down near the genital area. Right. So I'm like, all right, so it's the same guy that killed the the nanny in the house at the beginning. But well, that's when Frank shows up and he explains that to him. This is in the beginning when it, Frank's right. not there and it's just shared. But as the audience, yeah. we know that yes. the killer. Has okay, done yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. I was like, okay, it's the same killer, but I don't. They they're telling like I think he went here and then the maid came in the, and I was like, I what? Can you rewind? Yeah, I don't understand what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. They're just like, all right, murder. You're on it. I got it. Somebody murdered these people. Oh, somebody was sleeping in this bed. Like I didn't even put, I didn't, and this is the second time I've seen this movie. Mm -hmm. I didn't even put the connection that Lane was in that bed and he left. Oh yeah. Me neither. And, and mind you that, okay, fine. That's what you want to say. Cause they do have a flashback at the end of the movie and you do see. Lane uh, the Bob that. Goodall, yeah, yeah, you see him late. You see Bob, like he talks about how he was following him and he goes in there and steals that guy's money and kills everybody, blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing. They're checking the bed and he's like, bed's been clean. We can't, we don't have no hairs, no anything. Right. Like, check it again. But they check it again, clearly. So they didn't find anything, right? Because they never go back to it. So I'm like, so are we saying that Bob vacuumed the bed so that- How don't they find the hair? Where do they find the hair? For what? For- The hair oh. they get the DNA from. The hair was from the bed. Oh, I didn't get that. I, see, that's the thing. I must've missed that. It's all very sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> it's all very like, okay, the hotel and-, and that's why you need it's almost like a crutch is why you need Bob to start explaining everything. I, know, I went to the hotel, I took this money, and I still don't really get it. I was like, all right, so hold on, let me track this. So he tried to pick him up before he went with the family, then Lane went with the family, the family dropped him off, and then he went with another couple who was killed in that hotel room. Yes. And then Lane left that that couple earlier. Cause he didn't want to go have dinner, he wanted to keep what well, I keep they going. were they were obviously trying to have well, you try to figure out. But who the killer was. But then that couple in the hotel was probably the people that beat up the the, the miners then. Because how does that, that also doesn't tie into the story. The couple in the hotel? The people he kills in the motel. Those are just people that he was going with. So who beat up the miner? Oh yeah, I don't, I don't know. Exactly. This It's just a lot of stuff. Yeah, you're right. There's that like, that, that's like really a whole thing. Up. Yeah, the whole, yeah. Well, I, I think they were trying to get you to, you didn't know who the killer was. Oh yeah. You, know you don't I mean? know who the killer is. Lane seems nice, but he's also very mysterious. Mm-hmm. He might've beat up this minor. So maybe he is the guy Yeah, You're looking for someone with brown hair in their twenties to fifties, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously they're playing that up and you don't think Bob's maybe the killer. Well, let's go back to Frank lacrosse. Let's go back to that stuff because he shows up, you know, he, he like, he says he's a special agent. Then you find out that 
he left the he he left his post in Philadelphia to go do this because right. he's trying to track down who took his son. I I, I found it very uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not inconsiderate, but I thought it was very over the top. Maybe that's that the FBI had like zero interest in Frank's emotional health. Oh, absolutely. They're like clearly it, the bad guys. It was cl- like just because they it, his son has been kidnapped and they've closed the case and they and they're like they're about to go down there and arrest Frank because he left his post not understanding that his son he still thinks his son's alive and he took him off the case right. and and it's and it's almost like they're assholes because that's what's in the script and that's what I need to do. They have to not believe the killer's still out there. I'm sorry, how do you not believe the killer's still out there? He's only not killed for 3 months. It's not like he hasn't killed for years. Mhm. It's like, so you're just kind of like ignoring the fact that there's still a serial killer out yeah, there. Yeah. I mean, maybe yes, Frank needs to be taken off the case. I get that. Like there are rules, but they act like there's not really a serial killer that the killings are nothing. Yeah. And they, they make a big joke about it. <laughs> that Frank, he's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And they're super inconsiderate to the cops and stuff. They're like oh, above. Well, I get, beyond, like, yeah, there's always that kind of pushback between local authority and, and, the feds. and the feds. I get that. And, and some movies and shows kind of do it justice like there is that they still got to work together but there is that like we're taking over this case that right kind of yeah thing. Um, but this is just completely over the top like i'm gonna have you arrested and like this is what? worse than the than die hard and i always thought die hard was over the top yeah. when the feds come in and this is just like come on and i'm sorry but if the feds come in and they're gonna arrest the sheriff it's like i'm gonna tell you right now they're not doing that because the local law enforcement like you ain't coming down here telling us what to do especially yeah. out west you ain't telling us what to do and the government's gonna be like yeah let it go let it go yeah they're not gonna go put your own sheriff in his own jail yeah, exactly. That's no ridiculous. That. <laughs> exactly. That's ridiculous. So, so th- that in that regard, there's there's some stuff there that's just it, for the sake of script and for the sake of just moving the story along. Yeah. yeah. The Bob and Lane stuff when they're in the car. Now, I don't remember my first initial reaction watching this movie. So I don't remember me going back and forth going, who's the killer? I don't, I don't know. I knew it was right. always Danny Glover. So I didn't really. I'm curious, since this is your first time watching it. Right. Did you have any kind of hesitation in that regard? No, I was pretty sure it was Danny Glover. Okay. I just didn't want it to be Danny Glover, but I was, it's Danny Glover. Well, at what point? <laughs> at what point were you? He really wants uh, Lane in his car. There's no reason for that. There's no reason to go back to Lane after he's already uh, kind when of. He's at the mi- when he's at the miners. You could tell yeah. he's lying about the naked woman not being his, like the car not being his car. Even though he admits it later, I just which, wanted you to be like. Which is a weird safe. thing in this movie. The, the car. Yeah, I didn't get it. Like, I didn't understand why. Like, why have that? Because he stole the car from a creep. I, and it, so, he ended up with a creep car. Okay. All right. I mean, it's just a way to, oh, you know what? What makes this unique? Naked ladies all over it. Yeah. That'll, that'll get people into the, into the butts in the theaters. If it's naked ladies. Is that why it's rated R? But yeah, I, it's just like from the get go, you know, he's got to be the bad guy. But then right. as you go, it's like at first Bob's a creep, but then he's like really nice and you kind of like Bob and you like Bob and Lane's kind of traveling story. It's just like, I don't, well, let me ask you this. Do you buy now? I know that from all the movies that we've watched and, and stuff that we know, like, you know, sociopaths are somebody that are unfeeling, people, yeah, unfeeling, but they can, they're good at masking who they are. Sure. Do you find his affability, his, his, um, outgoingness, the way Bob is as a character, hmm. do you find that that's goes along the lines of a sociopath or do you think that's more like, Hey, this is how he is in the script and that's how it's going to trick everybody. Like, cause he turns on it. Like he, it's, that's how he's just going to trick everybody. Right. I don't buy that. Bob is as much of a sociopath as like, like Dexter Dexter or something. Yeah. Like, I don't believe he can turn on a dime. There's no, he's overly nice. Dexter's socially awkward. Bob is well, there, there's an eternal struggle with chameleon. Dexter. We're well, not to cut you off, but with Dexter, well, we get to witness the to external struggle between him trying to, he can't control his demons. He's he got to let him not out be a some sociopath. way. Yeah. But he's still always social. Like Bob is a sociopath. Yeah. And he's not trying to control his demons clearly, but yet he's also a really nice, affable guy. He took care of, of Shorty's kids when he has things like, yeah. so Bob clearly, and he's, he didn't kill Frank's son. Mm-hmm. He kept his son safe. So like, he's clearly not as much of a sociopath as maybe you're led to believe, but he kills these people real quick. Exactly. And I don't believe that. I don't, yeah. I, I want to see, you know, I can see him killing the nanny, whatever, because it's part of the game. You know, the lady in the storefront, like, need to fill that need. Yeah. But, and I get killing Shorty because 
Shorty's going to say, oh, that car went that way. He needs to kill him to keep himself covered. See, no, I don't think that's, see, I'm going to ask you this. I don't think that's why he killed him. I think the reason why he, he went to Martinsburg to kill somebody because he needed Frank to go to Martinsburg so that he could see the 218 train to get on it because of that note. Because so he like, killed Shorty because he couldn't. Kill he had the other no. Lady. He yes, he had to kill somebody in order to get Frank there. Right, which is like that's a big stretch. The, the, yeah, I don't like that. Exactly. But that, but that even makes, less. That's then. the only reason that I can see him there. You know what I mean? Because he shows up, he stays at the hotel, right, and then he sees the two eighteen, and, and it's like that's. So he was going to kill the girl, and then he's going to end up killing. Because to your point, if he doesn't want Shorty to talk, if he kills Shorty, he takes that photo off the wall. Because they show him with the photo, him and Short. But uh, he's pretty sure they're looking for a white guy, so he doesn't care. But, does, they're looking but for still, leader. I mean, yeah. that, you know what okay. I mean? I think he kills them because he needed to kill somebody in Martinsburg to get Frank there. Well, that's still to my point. I don't believe he wouldn't have regret, at least, with killing I agree. Short, I agree. I think okay. that the, 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 the character of Bob is a serial killer in the movie for convenience sake. Just kind of like this is he's a serial killer, but it could be anybody. It's like it could be, you know what I mean? He's right. not somebody that I mean, we we get to know Bob with Lane at the driving. Right. Like we should know there should be hints and clues. We should know that he is a dark, a dark soul. Right. And we don't. We only get that point. You're only supposed to get it when he adjusts that picture in short. Because he garage. does it in the house. Right. The that's the yeah. only reason. That's when the, that's when that's almost like it's almost like the director, Jeb Stewart, should have paused the movie. He should have popped out of the screen and been like, <laughs> wait, <laughs> the big thumbs up. And like, this is it. Ah, uh, yeah. You point to him. He's the guy. Like, that, that's what it felt like. Remember when Jared Leto cut that guy? Well, that wasn't real. <laughs> yeah. This is the real thing. Yeah. And then, and you're supposed to assume that Jared Leto, because he knows his way around a knife, because he saves that guy in the diner. Right. That, oh, he must know how to cut femoral arteries. Because Well, because Frank mentions that he might have some medical training. So right. So it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, ah, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, I really like Bob and Lane's story. I like their traveling together. I like their chemistry. I like. No, it's the got definitely that, got moments. Yeah. Like Bob stops the car to teach Lane like his like he's he stops the car in the middle of a road, which he doesn't need to do and tells Lane like you should go back and be a doctor like you you need to. And then at the end of the movie, he's easily kills Lane. Or tries to kill Lane. I assume Lane dies, but see now I didn't think he was gonna kill him because I thought he told him. See, here's the thing. Here's what I here's what I have a problem with. Not a problem with, but I just have questions. Right. He tells Lane about the address of his son, which is clearly the Frank son, because he wants he thinks Lane's gonna survive. Because the whole, yeah, the whole thing is you kill Bob wants to be killed. But why? That's my thing. Why? Because you don't get that Bob doesn't. That's the that's the other thing. You get no scenes where Bob regrets being a serial killer right where he's just like i've done this for so long i don't want to do it anymore because you don't get regret when he even kills his own friend shorty you don't get any regret of him doing these actions yeah and you should get some regret of like him maybe not even saying oh i'm i'm sad i'm a serial killer but bob saying you know i've got regrets like his, i've done things i did i'm not proud of and i you know or, yeah. don't be don't be that person well i think th but also i think there's like he's playing a game with frank like that oh we're playing a game he talks about that several oh, times he absolutely yeah. is right. yeah but he doesn't play a game with any of the other victims. He just kills them. So like, I would, I'd like to see him at some point, if he's with the person, he's going to about the serial killer. Like he gives him a choice. Like you can either do like kind of in seven, you know, cut off the, cut off your fat or, or, or be a better yeah, person. Right, right. Right. Stuff right. like that. Like he doesn't do any of that because of the point with the game was like, he tells him, you got to let me go. You got to kill me if you want to get your son. And he drops him and he's like laughing all the way down. And he only dies by happenstance. Like because there's a, a branch that's sticking out, he lands on it. Well, I'm, I was pretty sure he was going to die either way. I mean, he was rolling down a hill. Where was he going to die? Into was, a steep ravine. He was no, he was not. No, he was rolling down a snowy hill, and there was yep. a river down there. Yeah, uh, but it was a steep. He seemed like he was. He seemed like he was having fun until he got stabbed with oh, the giant tree. Oh, I think he was still having fun when he got stabbed. I think he was ready to die, but I you don't get that within yeah, the rest of the movie. Yeah, I know. I don't understand that. I mean, I clearly his note says he wants to die, but you don't get that from the rest of the character. Mm -hmm. But you like the character and you like the relationship with Lane and you like there, but you don't get enough of. There has to be a reason for him to stop the car and talk to Lane about you need to live, you need to be a doctor, you need to be a better person. Mm -hmm. That's not part of the game. And he doesn't need to do that because Lane's already stuck in the car with him. But if he if if why cut his throat? If he is well, the thing he kind of accidentally cuts his throat. OK, but I mean, he's still got the knife against the throat. It's still probably going to happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, he only cuts his throat because Lane ducks for Frank to shoot. Right, right. Shoot at Bob. Whatever. That doesn't really make sense. No, I, I, that's the thing. Also, like, you want you would want to call back. You'd think to the scene in the hotel room or the apartment building where Frank shoots the hostage taker. Right. 
and shoots him in the leg. Mm-hmm. You think he'd shoot Bob in the leg? You think you'd have the same act? Like that was foreshadowing to what was going to happen later. Right, right. But you don't get that. He shoots right for Bob's head. Right. Yeah. So then, yeah. So if you're willing to shoot him and kill him in the train car, why are you unwilling to let him drop in the train and uh, off the train when he's like, you got to let me go. Why would you be unwilling? You already, you already know you have to kill him to get your son. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, yeah. Uh, I, I think that there's a lot of good, there's a lot of really good pieces in this movie. Arlie Ermey's really good as Sheriff Buckholm said, their interactions are really good. Um, I even think they do the McGinnis and Olmstead stuff decent because it's like, you, Oh yeah. You get that kind of like, he's going to take over his job. But he's not a dick. He's he's just he wants you know what I mean. He, he just, wants to be sheriff, but right. they're not bad cops, right? Exactly. They're just kind of so you get that. I I think the Bob and Lane stuff in the car, the conversations that they have are, are really good. I think the action is really good at the end. I like that. I think the location and the setting is is great. Oh yeah, the onset location, right? Really, I good. think even the stunt, and I want to talk about this stunt, but even the stunt where the car goes off the side of the hill and Ooh, it gets stuck on a tree, yeah. like that's really good. So uh, all that stuff is is really well done. I just think it's clunky. When you put it all together, it, it like it's almost like the glue has cracks and it's not. Really oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's a lot of that. And it's an entirely watchable film that I was glued. Not to use ah. glue because it sucks. But I was like glued to the TV, like watching. I'm like, wow, okay, okay. And then when it, it ends, definitely I'm keeps like, your attention. Yeah. And at the end, I just have all these questions. And yeah. I'm like, why wasn't this better? <laughs> right. It's all. And maybe we'll get to it when we talk about it being forgotten. But I want to go back to that stunt with the car. Yeah. So. Um, Bob's driving the car super fast and like, to, why? The snowy mountain Here's the thing. Why? Like, is he purposely trying to fake his own death? Like, that's what I thought when At he, first, that's what I thought. Cause that's when he tells him the, his son's story of anything should happen to me. Take care of my, will you be a godfather to my son? Yeah, sure. And then he just starts going around the corners like hardcore. I was waiting for a twist in the story where Bob kills himself so that Frank would hunt down lane. That's it, what I, that was the twist I was waiting for. I was like, okay, so we're done with Bob. Yeah, I didn't I didn't understand what we were doing there. I didn't understand that. And again, if you're saying like, well, Bob has a death wish, Bob has this, you don't ever show any of that. You right. know what I mean? There's not that's never set up for us. So that's all. Uh, I, I, Bob kind of has a death wish in, when he goes to save Lane in the bar. No, I think that I think that's just something he's doing. I think he's just what well, no, because he if he followed Lane through the entire time, he was you setting him up as a patsy or setting him up as somebody who was going to be involved with his stuff with Frank. Right. So he's going back to go get that guy, even though he dropped off the mine. Oh, I, the miners, we know yeah. that. Yeah. At the but end, then you have all that stuff with, you know, with the miners and, and the guy getting beat up and you're like, we were questioning that. Did you notice the guy that was punching him? You know who he was? No. Do you watch? It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. He's Max father. Oh, is that Max dad? <laughs> <laughs> I'm that, watching it. That going, tracks. I'm watching it going. Oh man, who is this guy? I know this guy. I know this guy. And then immediately. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> But no, I agree with you. It's a movie that when you watch it, you're like, ah, oh, it's a watchable film. And it's a film that it's a good movie night film. It's not boring. Right. You're intrigued. But when you start going back to it, you're just like, oh, it's not as good as I thought it was. You know what I mean? Like it, it's got it does a great job of holding your attention and telling you this story. But unfortunately, the story is not fully connected. It's what's what I like is what I like and I don't like. Are all these things we're talking about are are pretty major plot holes. Sure. But they're almost like spackled. Yeah, I hear you. So you're like, oh, wow, okay, this place is like, you're like at home and you're like, this place is nice. And you go, wait, a lot of patches on this wall. And you have to be willing to be okay with that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's what this whole thing is. So many plot holes, but the movie is as a whole so good that at first you ignore them and then you're Mm -hmm. just like, oh, fucking these, these spackled holes are pissing me off yeah no i i think it's it, I, I mean i'm glad we went back to it i'm glad i put it on the list because uh, i put it on the list well i meant like you were main, annoyed the, when no, I put it on the list no 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 i put it on it. the big list no i put it on the list no the list to to for us to sh- to to hear yeah or the big big list mm. i put it on the big big maybe list. i know we talked about this movie on another episode and then know. maybe i added it to the list we added it to the list after that okay i don't know that yeah. i don't remember but i'm glad that we went back to it because i always remember liking it and I don't want to say, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I don't like it as much. I I, I still like it the same. Nothing changed, but I, I can't ignore what we're All talking about now. Yeah. yeah. So would you have liked it? Because this movie, so just a little backstory on the movie. It's so this a long time ago. Exactly. A long time ago. This movie was written in the 80s. Um, this is a college script, right? Yes. It was a script that he wrote during a college workshop program. This is Jeb Stewart. 
And it was going to be made in the 80s. And it was going to be with Sidney Poitier, Robert Duvall, and Kevin Bacon. I'm going to assume you know which parts they're playing. Yes. <laughs> what do you think of that? I actually like that cast. This is one of the We're first times. Sidney Poitier like, fans. Yeah. So, yeah. This is one of the first times where you're like, would you like that better? And in this case, I don't know if I'd like it better. But I'd want to see but it. But I also still really want to see it. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like Danny Glover in this role. And I like Danny Glover in general. Yeah. It's Sidney Poitier. It's Sidney Poitier. Sidney Poitier. Absolutely. Robert Duvall is Robert Duvall. I do think Robert Duvall would maybe try to do, as much as I like Dennis Quaid, more with the role. I'm trying to think how old he is. He would have been older than Dennis Quaid. I think, I don't think he, I mean, I I think he would have been too old for the role. I like Dennis Quaid. I do. But he's one note morose in this movie. He's Batman. Yeah. And I think that. (laughs) Robert Duvall would have hopefully tried to brought a little bit more layers. Yeah. Yes. Um, and Kevin Bacon's probably hot, obviously off Footloose and stuff like that. So you I think see, Kevin yeah. Bacon in the eighties would have been everything. the exact same as Jared Leto right now. <laughs> yeah. I, it would, it I, I think, yeah, I don't think that, that character you really can't, there's really not much. You're there to be uh, a red herring. That's your you're, role. You're young doctor guy. Yeah. That's you're, all you're, you're there yeah. for. Jared Leto has red herring. <laughs> <laughs> you're there to be thin in the shower scene when you're shooting at Bob. That's it. <laughs> Finn in the showers that's what you're looking at nice <laughs> well you know that's why he's there because he's Jared Leto's just coming off of uh, my so called life yeah my so called no, life no I got you, you yeah. gotta, no he's a young I guarantee star you in the making in the, I guarantee you that scene's in the trailer or a shot like that's in the trailer <laughs> I don't know I don't know <laughs> um, would you have liked this movie if it was called Zigzag no I saw that no. Going West I do like that title Going West in America Going West in America I, I don't. why do you like that title I don't like that title because they're just going west I don't know, well, it's we just, know you do know what switchback is you know what a switchback is no it's a zigzag course okay and it's supposed to be referenced to the fact that you don't know who's what like that I kind still of thing. I still I story. still hate it <laughs> switchback is at least a little better than switchback <laughs> I think going west. I think going west in America is an okay title because it is about uh, that's the primary story is about the but going Bob west and, and lane driving. But going west and going west in America make me think I'm watching a drama like about the Oregon Trail. It doesn't make me think about a, an action thriller. That's, that's probably why they changed the name to Switchback. Yeah, it's I mean, a lot more like Switchback. Exactly. Denny Glover, Dennis Quaid, going west in America. <laughs> 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 like that's what it feels like. But he, yeah. See, if they made a whole movie about Bob and Lane, I would watch that movie. And I think maybe. Uh, well, then that, that if you're doing just a whole movie of Bob and Lane, Lane has to be the hero. He has to take over some of the Frank stuff. What if you don't know which one of them is the serial killer the entire movie until the end? How, and you like both. The, of them? How do you know who to root for? Oh, yeah. You'd have that's that's some that's going to need some quality writing for you to do. Basically. Oh, I know. I saying. know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. there's so much quality sure. writing within their their road trip. And also so many plot holes, but sure. <laughs> it goes those plot holes and you just make it more of that. I would like that more. So I just envisioned that being like a, a six episode series and we constantly have flashbacks a la lost style for like the earlier lives where we just have like, Hey, where'd you grow up? And it's just like, boom, Decatur. And he's just like, you know, like that kind of thing. I don't even know if you need that. No, I think that a low budget movie, just two guys in a car. Okay, go ahead. You're writing that. Or am I right in that? You're right. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> shocker. Um, so one of the idea guy. <laughs> well, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Another thing about the movie. So this movie was shot in February of 96 to May of 96, obviously in Colorado and, and, and out West out up North. It was set to be released on Christmas of 96. Then it was pushed a summer of 97 and then pushed again to October 97. And the reason being because there was an abundance of action thrillers. What we just talked about it being steep to the 90s. Which is true because as I was going through the IMDb for Switchback, I was like, oh, that, that 90s movie. Oh, that 90s action yeah. movie. And I was like, oh, man. Well, they clearly, they, but here's the thing. They clearly got it wrong. No, 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 <laughs> not, not at all. They had high hopes for this movie because Christmas is a good release date. Summer's yep. a good release. Not for this movie, but summer's a big release oh, date. Oh, for a movie, yeah. And they didn't just give it October. They gave it Halloween, which is a which is a weekend that is usually a big weekend, but it's not a horror film. So it's like that. But uh, to be fair, it's the, probably the horrorist of films that are out that week because there's that no other horror films. Not even like I just read them off. You didn't have a horror film before. You didn't have a horror film after you and you didn't have a horror film on it. You had Boogie Nights at Red Corner. So you were like going up against and you're an action thriller. So you're hoping you're going to pull that horror crowd. On a Halloween weekend, Make Mark Wahlberg's fake, fake, uh, fake dong is kind of uh, scary. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not the king of my big dick. So, um, I think Christmas '96. It maybe it's not a Christmas film, but that's probably the perfect slot it has. No, I. That's what I thought too. I think Christmas '96. You get you always get one like adult thriller. 
And I think this is more of an adult thriller than it is like a straight up action thriller. I think summertime, this is not a summertime movie. A, there's no. a lot of cold scenery. It's yeah. a cold movie, but also it is a adult thriller. Mm-hmm. I don't think it works there. And I don't think it works on Halloween. I think Christmas to March. So Christmas in 96, which is what I'm looking for. Yep. Uh, you had on the 24th, you had I'm Not Rappaport, which is with Walter Mouthow and Ossie Davis. It's a limited release. That's not, it's competition. On the 25th, you had Michael, which is the John Travolta, I'm an angel, falling okay. from heaven. You had Evita, which is Madonna. And you had Thieves, which which is more of a, it's more of a, I don't I guess that's a foreign film. Yeah, it's a foreign film with Catherine Deneuve. Um, and then you, and then you had on the 27th, you had The Evening Star, which was with Shirley MacLaine. You had The People vs. Larry Flint. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had some mother's son, which is with Helen Mary. You had the portrait of a lady. You had mother with Albert Brooks. And you had Hamlet. Kenneth Braun is Hamlet. So I'm trying to look for action thrillers here, and I'm seeing I'm seeing big movies, but I'm seeing no action thrillers. But I think you're I think especially Evita and Michael are mm-hmm. going to take away your, and maybe the people versus Larry Flint are going to take away your switchback audience. Okay, you think? I think so. Michael was had a lot of buzz when it came out. Yeah. Vito also had a lot of buzz when it came out. So I think people are seeing those two. And I think the people versus Larry Flint had buzz after its release, but sure. I mean, but I should point out that the week before, which is the 20th, you had the movie scream come out. So, which is more of a, which is, movie. but it's, <laughs> I know but that makes complete no. I mean, I get, well, that tells you how much they, how big they felt about scream. They put it towards Christmas. Oh yeah. But I mean, that's probably because it's a horror thriller kind of thing that's probably it's competition main competition in terms of competing against genre but it's it, there's a lot of big hitters obviously always on christmas season and you know we can always look back and be like you know that didn't do so well but like something like the evening star it's Shirley mclean i mean it's it's a big film coming out um people versus larry flint's a big film you know it's just maybe this was going to do what it was going to do a 37 million dollar production budget and you only make six that's tough that's, I that's mean, a big flop. Yeah, it is. That that's is. tough for people to recover from. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, Jeb Stewart only did one, directed one of the movies, so maybe maybe that was what that... I mean, I don't think he... I thought he was fine. I didn't think that anything... I didn't have any problem with any of the direction in terms of something that was just... I think maybe the reason why is because the production budget was so high. Eh, whatever. You didn't need the train fight. I mean, the train's cool, but I think that well, the train fight much, a lot to your stuff. The, the, the train fight... The, f- the fight on the train makes the movie. It elevates the movie. It doesn't hurt the movie because of the stunt oh, no, work. I'm not saying, yeah. That's all, so if I'm you say in terms of budget and you're going to have to have a final ending when they fight, you're going to have to have that. I don't, yeah. I wasn't, I mean, I, you do want to see him get his son and go to Oakland and, and, and find the Which, kid. By the way, so they go to the address to get the kid. Yeah, and he's and not no one's there. there. Yeah. He's in the other house. Uh, I don't know. What what is that? Uh, like there's like like Bob knows that he's gonna look for the blanket that's hanging on like he like he figures all this like, there's all this happenstance. There's stuff. no way Bob knows she was just doing the laundry when she was doing the laundry. And let's and let's be honest, Frank's not Sheriff Buck Olmsted is not making the trip to Oakland with with Frank. He, no, he, yeah, it doesn't he, make that's sense. That's the FBI going there, or that's just Frank. You know, that's not. It's Frank well, going. I mean, there. he has no job anymore, so maybe is that really what's happening? He, after he's, he's proven them right, after he's caught the serial killer that they said did was didn't exist, after he's done what he was told not to do, but and proved them wrong, he's going to lose his job. I'm saying the sheriff. Oh, no, right, no, no, right, yeah. Right, oh, no, right, no. Okay. There's no way Frank doesn't still have a job. Yeah, and in fact, could probably get his boss in big trouble. His boss, <laughs> yeah. My guess. Yeah, I. So you took me off a case, and everything I said was right. And you, uh, my uh, superior officer, didn't find it necessary to pursue this case. Mm-hmm. Uh, let five or six people die without my knowledge. Yeah. You know, that his boss has lost his job. I yeah. There's I, no way his boss. I, but and that guy, and I should I didn't look him up because it was like a smaller role. But that character actor is always a jerk. I think in, some, in a lot of movies, or that's his. That's you know, when you notice them the most is when he's a jerk because he does it so well. I mean, kudos <laughs> to him. Uh, why does nobody call him special agent lacrosse? Why does everybody call him Frank when he walks in? He's an agent of the FBI and nobody calls him agent lacrosse, special agent lacrosse. Even when they refer to him to other people, this is Frank. It's like he's a special agent. He's his agent. Because even at the beginning, Sheriff Buck kind of treats him like an asshole. I mean, uh, well, yeah, I Frank treats uh, Sheriff Buck the same. True. So Buck goes, I'm going to call you Frank. All right. But then everyone else, everyone else calls him Frank. And then he introduces him as Frank. So yeah, yeah I know. Then it's just man. like, all right, I'm going to follow my boss's lead. Okay. Because when other- he first comes in, no one likes him because he does come off as a jerk. And it's not until he kind of t- A, starts solving things for people. And then B, tells Buck, 
here's True. why I'm here. Here's why I'm an ass. It's because I lost my son. One last thing. Well, I guess for right now. <laughs> when you first meet Buck and Nate, when you first meet the and they're at the hotel, that's when you first meet them. And they come out of the crime scene. Mm-hmm. And they come out in the sun. And they put on their ten gallon hats, and their faces are in shade. I my note is like, I wonder if. DPs and cinematographers hate 10 gallon hats like because they light the scene and then they've got this just blast of shade darkness covering the face of their actions. They must be sitting there going, how the fuck am I supposed to deal with that? Like, I wonder if that's a big deal. Like if they're just like, can we lose the hats? No. All right. They probably set up the shot and then realize they're wearing the hats and then have to run the shot. Because you're going to have to have a kicker come up to get them. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Think, all right. Now I need to figure out. So let's run the scene so I can figure out how the reflection. I'm just wondering if they just like, they can't stand. Oh, you mean they're wearing hats? God damn it. All right. Fine. <laughs> like I just I, I, want, I don't know. Like behind the scenes. Stuff. If I lose the face, I lose the face. OK, <laughs> I'm not I'm not doing with this. No. Notice, Jeb, that when they put their hats on. I'm not going to be able to see facial expressions. So that's on you, man. That's on you. OK. <laughs> Camera rolling. <laughs> Any DPs out there, uh, we, I'd love to hear what your thoughts. I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. That's... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so why don't we get into why we think it's forgotten? Because <laughs> it's a massive flop. I think... A, I think it's a massive flop. I, I just can't go anything. I mean, I think the things we talked about with the plot holes, I think there might be some people who really just can't get over those. I think people... I, maybe people didn't like also like nice serial killers back then that kind of thing <laughs> like the like the you oh, think there's a he, believability of danny glover being a serial killer because he doesn't fit that m- what you've seen in cinemas of serial killers at the up to that point kind of thing probably you're just like oh, danny glover's a serial killer like he's uh, such a nice guy but he is so quick to kill his friends oh so yeah. quick and everybody loves him everybody loves bob but then he's just so quick you so can't, the greatest guy i've ever met i think one of the reasons i think one of the reasons it's forgotten is that while it's a good movie, it's not good enough to stand out amongst the other films that are of this decade in terms of action thrillers. Oh, in like, terms of, yeah, the abundance of action. Right. I think that it's it's good. It's good when you watched it, but it's not a movie that when you think about older films like that, it's not a movie that stand, stands out because of the, the, a lot of the stuff that we just talked about. Uh, just it, it's not strong enough where we want it to be strong enough. There are points that we really like, but those don't overcome the other stuff in the movie that's less than in order to elevate the film above other stuff. Other, right. Yeah. So I think that's a lot why reasons it maybe it doesn't get noticed much. Maybe switchback is a bad title because it just throws people off like that kind of thing. And it's a, and the poster is terrible because the poster is a big head poster. And for those who don't understand big head posters, the poster is designed with big heads of the actors primarily just to get you in the theater because of who's starring in it. Oh That's, yeah. Go look at Harrison Ford movies that are not Indiana Jones. They're all big head posters because they're like Harrison Ford's in this movie. You go watch it right now because we know you all love him. So that's so why they do big. All hats. red. It looks like a hot poster. Like it's like a hot set scenery. Right. And he's running on the train tracks. Uh, Frank's character and I'm about to get hit by a train. Yeah, it, that's which, not what the movie. No, there's nothing in that movie. I yeah. also think this is very close to the movie Switchblade, in terms of time period. Switchblade. You mean Slingblade? Slingblade. <laughs> Switchback and Slingblade. I think it gives you this. It just sounds like a southern kind of movie, kind of a thing. It is not a good title. It doesn't. Like going west in America is also not a great title, maybe because, like you said, it sounds like a drama. I don't think this is either. I don't know what you would call this movie, but I don't think the title helps. The poster doesn't help. The fact that it was a flop doesn't help. See, I don't equate Sling Blade with this film just because I I constantly did the voice throughout my throughout the years after that movie. <laughs> I love me some French fried potatoes. Okay, that was bad, but I always equate this film with Unstoppable, which is the Denzel Washington Chris Pine. Uh, thriller on the train after Insta- when unstoppable came out it's 25 no it was 2010 <laughs> yeah unstoppable came out i always think of switchback and when i think of switchback i always think of unstoppable just because of the train aspect even though they're not even on the train until the end of the movie uh, yeah. switchback but that's what i always think about that's a big hood poster as well uh so <laughs> but yeah no it's just i think the poster's not great i think we like 
uh, last week I made the, I didn't, we didn't put this in the episode last week, but the noises off episode yeah. when we put, when I put it on uh, Instagram story, it's like a terrible poster. Oh, that's a, yeah. The it's it's like an awful, it's like I made that poster uh, when I was 18 in Photoshop, <laughs> like, and I used Microsoft paint. It's such a bad poster. I don't think, I don't think this poster is a switchback poster is as bad as that poster, but it doesn't do anything for the movie. It's not interesting. No. Yeah. It doesn't catch your eye. It's almost like you tossed it on the desk of like the third copy editor. It can make a poster for this movie. I don't got time. Yeah. I mean, I think the fact that it was a flop, so you didn't have enough word of mouth because not enough people saw it originally. Mm-hmm. And I think like you and me, I think we like it when we first watch it and then you give it a day or two and you realize the potholes mm-hmm. and then it's tough to recommend it to anybody else. I, I mean, it's it's a 90s film. If, if somebody's looking for a 90s film, I'd... I, oh yeah, now yeah, I'll be like, yeah, hey, you it out. It's nostalgia. Right. You might not. You might yeah. be okay with it, but yeah, no. Uh, yeah, you I like agree. 90s films and you're sick of watching the same five over and over again, check this one out. Yeah. Exactly. But you're going to find a lot of plot holes. Uh, absolutely. We, I mean... <laughs> We're going to talk about what we like about the movie. Maybe don't like about the movie. <laughs> we always recommend you revisit that's it. That's right. That's that's basically switchback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where can they find us? You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. You can also find us on the social medias. Join us at the Forgotten Cinemas, the lobby on Facebook to talk about this movie. If you've seen Switchback, let us know what you thought about it. Uh, and wherever you're listening to this podcast, feel free to rate, review, and subscribe because whenever you do that, it helps us to grow, which is cool. And we're staying in the 90s next week. We're going to uh, 94. We're going to watch Nobody's Fool starring Paul Newman and Bruce Willis. Uh, did you see that? Did you not see that? I don't think I I've know seen we've it, talked about but it. But I know I know of it. If, yeah. I wa- if I watch a bit of it, I might go like, oh, I have seen this. Forgotten Cinema is turning into the movies that Mike sees and Butler does not. <laughs> Field was older in the 90s. I was like nine and 10. So Field I, watches I movies. Field watches movies. I've seen a lot of movies now. All right, man. Now Congratulations. That I'm in the 2000s. Congrats. Congratulations. That's a clap. That's a soul clap for you. Now that in the in the 2000s, I'm your age in the 90s. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, I can't wait for people to tell you how you're old. And- <laughs> I didn't say you're old. <laughs> sure. I'm just saying there's a difference. In I listen. I like. I, I'm okay with my age because I got to see like I told you. I got to see Jurassic Park opening weekend. I saw Jurassic Park in theaters, I, but I that's I'm, my first one. Though. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I get I, you. You know, I got to see Back to the Future too in the theater, and then the trailer for three comes on during the credits. I'm like, what? And like, because like, I didn't, you didn't realize. Back then, that movie was shot back to back, and I was so young, and it was just like, "Yeah, it's when's it coming? Six months, <laughs> stuff like that." So, yeah, that was my story. Okay, uh, I guess we'll see you next week. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler, and this has been Forgotten Cinema. Switch back. <laughs> <laughs> That's loud. 